Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. So today we're going to finish this series called It's Personal. It's been fun dealing with relationships. I always love talking about relationships. And so today we're going to talk about, last week we talked about communication. So we're going to hit the other C of relationships, and it's called conflict. Today we're going to talk to you about how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. You know, conflict often arises in our lives and in relationships from unmet needs or unfulfilled expectations in our life, uh, <clears throat> in relationships. You know, co- but conflict also can be an opportunity for our growth and learning. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 2 in the message says it this way. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Boy, that's a good statement right there. In other words, don't walk around numb and so well adjusted to the culture. Be a Daniel in the day in which you live. Right, Be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Though they were in Babylon, they didn't adjust their lifestyles to the culture. Come on, somebody. They, they decided to live uh, 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 with their heavenly father's mindset. He said, instead, fix your attention on God. That's where we need to fix our attention today is on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well for maturity in you. He says, don't be adjusted so much or or don't do relationships in life like the culture does. Don't become so well adjusted to the culture that you forget that there's a God way. Because it's a better way. God's way of doing relationships is better than the culture, right? You can watch Dr. Phil all day long, but you ain't going to get any sort of Jesus advice on how to do relationships. You can watch your best motivational speaker, and they're not going to give you the advice you need on how to deal with relationships. You got to go back to the B-I-B-L-E, amen, in order to discover how we deal with certain things in our life. So Ephesians... Uh, Chapter 4, verse 26 and 27, you have to understand this first, is that all relationships have conflict. Some of you had conflict on the way to church this morning. Some of you had conflict with your wife or your spouse. You had conflict with your kids because they wouldn't either get in the car. Some of you guys were waiting on your wife. Amen. So there might have been conflict. Some of you are just used to it. You're like, yeah, we're just going to, it's going to be Ted. We're good. We're going to just, we're used to it. And some, some of you, you had conflict with your kids because they wouldn't buckle their seatbelt or they got something on the seat. And you have conflict constantly. We all have conflict, but not all relationships have healthy conflict. There's a difference. We all experience conflict, but not all of it's healthy conflict. And so it's important for us to understand how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity or open door to the devil. We learned in January that opportunity also means door. And he's telling us here, don't give opportunity or an open door to the devil through your anger. Now, here's what you have to understand, which when I read this verse, and I've read it for years, I was excited about it because the Bible doesn't discard your anger. He actually tells you, be angry. 
It's okay to get angry. It's okay to experience anger. The Bible allows for anger to happen. It's part B that we have to focus on. He says, he says that it's okay to be angry, but do not sin in your anger. Do not cross the boundary into sin when you're angry. So let's break this verse down. Number one, he says, do not sin. What does that mean? That means that healthy conflict is safe. It's safe. Healthy conflict is safe. He says, don't, do not sin in Ephesians chapter 4. Don't cross the boundary of emotion of anger, of the emotion of anger. And we've all done it, right? We've been right there. And we just went, we just went for it, right? We've had enough. And a lot of times we blow up because we don't process well. A lot of times we, we let little things sit and we let them sit, 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 sweep them under the rug, under the rug, under the rug, and then all of a sudden, boom, you become this volcanic activity in your house and with your family and, and with your coworkers, and all of a sudden you just blow up and you become defensive and, and you're just angry, you're just mad. Why? Because you don't process little things in your life well. You decide that you're just going to tuck them under the rug. Well, that's creating fuel for the fire. And he says, don't, don't cross the boundary of the emotion of anger into the action of anger. Right? So we don't cross over into the action of anger. That's when sin begins to get into, into our lives. And most of the time, it comes through our words. We sin with our words. We cross the boundary with our words. We damage each other with our words. We cross that boundary in a moment of conflict, right, in a moment of anger. Listen, anger, anger moments, angry times is not the time to make big decisions and settle things, right? When you're mad and you're upset with everybody and upset with the person that you're, that you're with, listen, you can't, you can't make big decisions and you can't, you can't deal with the conflict and anger. You need to go take a chill pill. You need, you need to separate yourselves for a little bit to get your heart right because I really believe that if you ever step over the, the, into the action of anger, then you're, you're, you're going to have to manage what's inside of you. There's a heart issue that you're going to have to deal with. And so he says, do not sin. Why? Because healthy conflict is safe. Focus on the issue, not the person. Focus on the issue, not the person. Number two is this about, about healthy conflict. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, healthy conflict is timely. It's timely. You know, the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States reads this. In all criminal prosecutions, now I'm not saying that what you're going through is criminal activity. But what I am saying is this. He says this. He sa it says, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. In other words, the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States says that it's so someone isn't held in endless custody. Right? So there's a speedy and a quick trial. And maybe if you did wrong, right, you're not just locked up just to be locked up, that you get an opportunity to confront or you get to go through the process of dealing with the conflict. And so listen, time doesn't diffuse a conflict. Let me say it again. Sometimes we think, well, if I just back off, right? No, time doesn't diffuse a conflict. It actually builds pressure up in your life, and we are held custody or in captivity by this conflict. So the more you think processing it over time, it's just going to get better. And five years later, you're still saying, if I ever see the person in the mall, I will trip them. Come on, somebody. Right? It's, be it's, because, it's because you haven't really dealt with it. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Married folks, 
Don't go to bed until it's dealt with. Right now, I'm not saying like, you know, like fight it out till it's over. I'm saying separate, deal with your heart, come back together. Don't go to bed angry because that's unbiblical. He says, don't let the sun go down on your, on your anger. Then, then you have to understand this is that, that a lot of times the reason we don't, we don't want to deal with it timely is because we ignore the elephant that's in the room. We don't deal with the things in our life. And so research actually tells us that undealt with, with, when you don't deal with conflict or undealt conflict, it actually creates health issues. You have appetite issues. You have anxiety issues. You have depression issues. You actually have physical health issues when you don't deal with conflict. Why? Because it's releasing a poison, a poison in your body. right? Unforgiveness is that. Unforgiveness is drinking the, po- or, or, uh, uh, drinking the poison hoping somebody else will die. That's what unforgiveness is. And, and we're drinking this and we're, and we're being, we're being, um, we're being uh, uh, captivated and we're in custody and we're in chains to the conflict because we never dealt with it in a timely manner. Now, I've known people over the years that they've had tr- uh, horrific marriage situations that's come up but the 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 quicker you shut the door on some stuff come on somebody the minute you shut the door on some things and you're quick to forgive and you're quick to pray about and you're quick yeah you might get angry after you forgive come on somebody but you work through the process and and restoration can happen when you shut the door on that thing quickly and don't allow it to sit number three is this is give no opportunity to the devil in other words healthy conflict is resolved now, I want to make a statement. I'm going to say this this morning because I think some of you misconstrued uh, restoration and reconciliation with forgiveness. And, and a lot of times we don't forgive because we think we have to reconcile. You don't have to reconcile every relationship, but you do have to forgive. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Some of that will set you free today because you think, well, i got to meet this person face-to-face and deal with this. Not necessarily. You can walk in forgiveness and let that thing go, and, and quit telling the story about it, and let it go, and then all of a sudden, you'll realize that, man, I'm free, right? And we'll get into that in just a minute. I got ahead of myself, give no opportunity to the devil. Listen, undealt conflict, undealt with conflict is an open door for the enemy. He will come kill, steal, and destroy relationships through undealt conflict, right? He'll, he'll it'll eat up on the inside of you. And he says, he says, give no place to the devil or give the devil no opportunity. When you sin through anger and you don't forgive and you don't walk through conflict correctly, guess what's about to happen? You're giving place to the enemy. You're giving place to the enemy in your own life. You're giving place to the enemy. If God wants to restore that and build that bridge in that relationship, listen, because you've given the enemy place, Guess what? It's tough for that thing to be restored. Listen, conflict, listen, conflict in culture brings division. In culture, it brings, brings division. That's why he tells us in Romans, don't follow the, the culture. See, because the enemy wants to divide, listen, and, and to divide to where there is no resolve, that's called cancel culture, just so you guys know. It's like we cancel a whole group of people out. Well, guess what? Jesus didn't cancel us out. Come on, somebody. Jesus didn't cancel us out, so we don't cancel others out. Listen, this is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Notice it says strive. It doesn't say it's necessarily going to happen, but he says strive for it. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So give no opportunity for the devil in your life through unresolved conflict. Now, 
How do we, how do we resolve conflict in a healthy way? I'm going to give you four, four reasons or four lessons, and we're going to use the life of Joseph. Joseph was a guy that this cat, man, he was a dreamer in the Bible, uh, in, the, in the book of Genesis. He was, a, he was a dreamer, and he had this dream. He fell asleep one night, and he, and he, had, he saw his, his brother's uh, the sheaves uh, bowing down to him and he was like in this place of authority, and, and he had this dream. And so he was so excited about his dream, he went and told his brothers. Wrong move. Some people you don't need to tell your dreams to because they're going to squash them. That's a word of wisdom for some of you. you got a dream in your heart. You just can't tell everybody because most people walk in unbelief. It can't be done. It's not going to happen. Listen, you got to be careful who you tell your dreams to. Anyway, that's a side note worth just a little bit. All right, here we go. So Joseph has this dream, and he goes and tells his brothers. All of a sudden, jealousy sets in the heart of the brothers. And the brothers now throw him into a, they beat him, and they throw him into a cistern. So they throw him into a well. He gets thrown into a well. They leave him there. And then, then, they, then, then, then comes along, then they sell him. He'd pull him out of the well, and then they sell him. They sell him off, and they, and they, they sell him off to Pharaoh's uh, family. And, and so he gets, he, gets, he gets beaten, he gets thrown into a pit, and then he gets sold into Potiphar's house, into Potiphar's house. So he gets sold into Potiphar's house, and then the brothers go back and tell the dad he was eaten by wolves. They bring back his garment that they had whipped him and had blood on it and said, here's Joseph's garment, he was eaten by wolves. Well, we all know that was a lie. So Joseph didn't have a good start to his dream. He didn't have a good start. Right away there was conflict. And his father again was told, so then all of a sudden, through this, all of a sudden he gets, he became, he, Joseph continues to be faithful to the Lord. He begins to stay faithful to the dream that God gave him. And he went from the pit, and he went from the well to the pit to the prison, and he's in the prison, and he's faithful. He's serving God. He lives morally. He doesn't buy into, the, into, uh, into Potiphar's uh, wife and, and all those sorts of things that go on, and, and he stays faithful. And then all of a sudden, this dream starts to come to pass. And the Bible says that he was elevated to the highest place of authority in the land. And he was controlling the resources. He was in charge of the resources of the nation. And this was Joseph, the one that had went through this huge process of conflict, now was sitting at the right hand of the leader as the resource coordinator. And listen to Genesis chapter 50, verse 17 and 19. It says, so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. So this was right before his dad passed away. So somewhere along the line, he found out he wasn't dead. So it says this, he says, And his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God. So his brothers get, so they come, they realize who Joseph is, and there he is, and they realize who he is, and he's like, I'm Joseph. Now, how many of you know if somebody would have whipped you, put you in a cistern, dropped you into prison, sold your tail off to Potiphar, and you had to spend time in prison, you would be waiting for them brothers to show up to you? How many know we'd want to get even, right? We'd see the brothers, we'd be like, okay, all right, I'm the highest man, I got the greatest influence in the nation you'd be dead, right? Come on, somebody. We would, we would live in that place. But Joseph, he took on a different characteristic. And there's four things I think we learned from the life of Joseph when it comes to how to resolve conflict. He went through horrific conflict with his family. And here's how he did it. Number one, we have to understand it starts within us. That Joseph actually took the posture 
of humility. Joseph, had he had also taken responsibility for his own part in the conflict. See, when he was in prison, like he was, God was dealing with Joseph. God was dealing with unforgiveness that maybe tried to hit his heart. He was dealing with his moral issues while he was in prison, while he was serving Potiphar. That, that, that we have to understand that, that in order for conflict, a lot of times we want to look at the other person that needs to be fixed. But God says, start with yourself. Start with inside yourself. Matthew chapter 7 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Boy, this is a powerful passage. He says, he says you hypocrite. In other words, you wear a mask. The hypocrite was an actor. They wore a mask. It means actor. He says, you're acting. You're not really being who you are. He says, first... Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, you can't help somebody else until you work on yourself. You can't resolve conflict until you start to work on yourself. As much as you want that thing to be restored, as much as you want to fix that person, you can't do it until you start to work on yourself. See, Joseph is not expecting his brothers to heal his heart. Hear me today. Joseph was not expecting his brothers to heal his heart. He was dealing with this moment within himself before God, and he was asking God to heal his heart. He was asking God to bring healing into his heart. He wasn't waiting for his brothers to show up and for everything to be okay. Genesis 41, 51 and 52 says, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it is because God, listen, God has made me forget all my trouble, and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. He put his attention on God. He started to look within himself and he says, God has made me forget everything that they did to me. I forgive them. Later on, he'll become a blessing to their life. And then he says, God made me fruitful because I forgave. God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So it starts within us. We need to pray some prayers in this moment and in this stage of conflict resolution. And it's Psalm 139, search me, O God. In any situation, we need to pray, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When's the last time when you were in relationship problems or issues or marriage issues or things going on in your life, and it doesn't have to be relational, it could be anything, where you first started with yourself, when you went, search me, oh God, and know my heart in the situation. Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. So the first thing we got to do is it starts within us. Number two, it takes complete honesty. When you're dealing with conflict issues, it takes complete honesty. So when he faces his brothers, listen to what he says in Genesis 50, 20. He says, you intended to harm me. Right? So he's completely honest with his brothers. He's like, you came to harm me. You came to do wrong to me. You came to, you did all of this over the years. You, you tried to harm me. You tried to take me out because I shared my dream with you and you got jealous. And so you tried to take me out. But listen to what he says. He doesn't stop there. He says this, he says, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
See, because Joseph started with himself and he was able to be honest in the moment, God could use that moment to save lives and it ended up saving his family. Come on, man, it ended up saving his family because he dealt with conflict correctly. Listen, be obedient in the process. Say yes to the Holy Spirit at all times. When it comes to dealing with conflict and it comes to being honest, be led by the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient in the process. If it's time to talk, it's time to talk. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Be completely honest. Hey, those words are damaging me. It's okay to be honest. He said, but, but you got to follow it up with sticks and stones. <laughs> May break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Bible says be obedient in the process. Number three is this. It requires a secure faith. A secure faith. Genesis 50, 20 says, if you're gonna, if you're gonna deal with conflict resolution and you're gonna resolve conflict in a healthy way, it takes secure faith. It requires a secure faith in you. So you're starting with yourself. You're gonna be completely honest, but you also have to understand it takes secure faith. He said, listen, you intended it for harm, but God intended it for good, and he's gonna accomplish what he's done. Listen, it's a it's a stick it out kind of faith when it comes to conflict. It's a, it's, a, it's a not casual faith. It's an it's a anchored faith that says, listen, no matter what conflict we have, maybe it's your marriage today and you're like, you've talked divorce, you let that word come out your mouth. You've talked separation, it's come out your mouth. Listen to me today. What if you got your faith secure? What if you started with yourself? What if you was completely honest? What if you went to counseling and you just shared, just a, shared your heart and you were able to be completely honest, but then you started to dig your faith roots down into the system of God's biblical answers. Instead of sticking your, your, your finger or your, your root system into the culture like Romans 12 says. See, because we, we got a microwave culture going on. We got a culture that we just stick it in the microwave, hit one minute, and here comes a boing, there it is. We drive through the drive-thru. Give me a number six, supersize, amen, Diet Coke. Praise God. Always got to add a Diet Coke onto it. After a 6,000 calorie hamburger, amen. It makes it right, doesn't it? Just feels good. <laughs> Extra cheese, but by God, hold the coat, bring it a diet. Come on, somebody. But that's the society we live in. So when it comes to working stuff out, we don't think if it happens in a minute, then God must not be doing nothing. It's because we got shallow root systems in the Bible. We don't have a solid revelation in the roots of God's word in order for us to handle. It takes a secure faith to deal with conflict. It takes a secure faith. Romans 8, 28, this is the secure faith you must have. And we know that all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, don't just read that verse. And don't just quote that verse. Because if you read the verses prior to, you can't say that without doing the first verses. The Bible says in this that when we know not what to pray, he knows what to pray. The verses leading up to, and God will do, all things for, uh, and we know that all things work together for good that those who love God and are called. We, we throw that verse out, but the first two verses to that verse is you better be praying before you say that. He says, you, you can know that all things work together for good because you've been on your face before God and you've been seeking God and you get up from there and you go, and I know all things are going to work together for good because I love God and he just told me I'm called according to his purpose. It's not just, and God is going to work it all out. No, you're relying on a sovereignty doctrine that's not biblical, which means you don't have a play in part. You don't have to do anything. 
God's supernatural, right? He needs your natural, and he adds his super that makes supernatural things begin to happen in the earth. He needs our, he needs our part. Yeah, it's just going to work out, Pastor. No, you're just going to keep shoving stuff under the rug. You're going to blow up on somebody, and you're going to end up in divorce. You're going to end up in separation. It requires a secure faith. Get, Romans 10, 27 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. Get a verse. Listen to me. If you're going through conflict right now, get a verse. Find a verse in the Bible. You know, when we started this church, I meet with church planners today, and they ask me, they're like, man, how have you done it for 11 years in this school? I said, well, first off, I got an amazing team of volunteers and serve team members that give their life for this place. Come on, man. Faithful. Secondly, I got a word from God. They're like, well, what about all the stuff? No, man, no, no, don't worry about the stuff. If you're going to be a pastor in the day and age in which we live in, you can't rely on smokes, lights, and cameras anymore. You know what you got to rely on? It's got to be a word from God. And the way this church started was Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I'll do a new thing, and it will spring forth. God gave me a word, and we started Real Life Church. And through every conflict, whether there's 50 people or 300 people, whether we're seeing salvations or not seeing salvations, whether the money's up or the money's down, guess what I anchor to? I don't think about any of that. I anchor to Isaiah 43, 19 and Isaiah 35 because that's the anchor he gave me. So every time I face a conflict, every time I face something that's difficult, I go back to that verse and I anchor back into that verse and I say, God, this is your church and this is your promise and this is your mission. And so I anchor myself to you and I'm going to blaze through every conflict that comes my way because I'm anchored. That happens in your life too. You got to anchor to a verse. Get a verse. Anchor yourself to it. Number three. So number four is this as we close. Resolving conflict in a healthy way sets us free. Sets us free. The Bible tells us in Genesis 5, 50, 20, this is Joseph, and he says, and then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He says, and he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. He wasn't like, how dare you try to kill me and then lie about me and then this, that, and the other. You're going to starve because it was a time of famine, and he had the resources. Notice what he says. He says this, so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Listen. These are the people who hurt him. Listen, with no guarantee that they wouldn't hurt him again. But he was willing to say, I'm so free, I want to be a blessing to you. He said, it doesn't matter what you've done to me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you've ridiculed me. It doesn't matter how you left me. It doesn't matter how you abandoned me. He says, I got the resources and I want to be a blessing to you. You know why? Because God's been a blessing to me. See, because where much is forgiven, much is, much is forgiven. Where much is required, where little is required, much is required, much is required. In other words, you've been forgiven a lot, so forgive a lot. It sets us free. You're no longer drinking the poison, hoping somebody else dies in bitterness and unforgiveness. When you set them free, it sets you free. When you, when you write the letter that needs to be written. Come on, man, when you have the conversation. Or maybe you're like, I'll never know. Maybe it's somebody that's already gone. Or maybe somebody you don't even have contact with. But you just feel like, hey, I need to get this off of me. Write the letter. You're like, what's that got to do with anything? I've had many people just write the letter. Put it all on the paper. 
Tell them everything. Forgive them. Get it off your heart. And you'll find yourself not only, now, now all of a sudden you won't be walking around in unforgiveness because unforgiveness is selfish. Now all of a sudden, see, it could have been like Joseph could have been like, nope, I'm going to hold my resources to myself. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to protect everything I have. You know why? Because it's about me. It's about my pain. It's about my unforgiveness. And it's about what you did to me. No, here's what he did. He said, it's a time of famine. I've forgiven you. I'm set free. So guess what? I'm going to bless you. It sets us free. So the question this morning becomes, what do we need to be set free from? See, we are free regardless of the response of the person or the people. See, when you go to conflict resolution, you're, you're free regardless of their response. If they still don't want to like you, they don't have to like you. But guess what? Dun, 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 dun. I'm free on this side. You can stay jacked up on this side if you want all day long. But on this side, I'm free. And I'm going to do my freedom dance. And I'm going I'm to do my freedom praise. And I'm going to do my freedom giving because I'm free. I'm not bound to anything. Why? Because I forgave. It sets us free. We are not held in bondage to their response. If you're looking for their response to be perfect, it's not going to happen all the time. Listen, Joseph was fret, set free. Not just to be set free. He was set free for a purpose. Notice what it says. It says he was set free to do good. Man, I know there's some of you in this room, you've been church hurt. You've been church hurt. And it's tough for you to trust a pastor. It's, tr- it's, tough, it's tough for you to trust a staff. It's, 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 trust, it's tough for you to trust a leader because you've been hurt by a pastor or by a church. Can I tell you today, no person is perfect. We're all flawed, right? So here's what, I want, here's what I want to help you with. Don't put Jesus or don't put your pastor or anybody else in the place of Jesus. A lot of times we elevate leaders to a place other than Jesus. We put them in the place of Jesus. Put Jesus first. And when you start to see people through the eyes of Jesus, then all of a sudden you can forgive. When you put the person up there, and all of a sudden they do something wrong that bothers you. Well, he didn't talk to me this morning. There's 300 people here. Sorry, I missed you. I'll get you next week. Right? But you can't get offended at that stuff. Our church is growing. We are growing and we're growing larger. And we, why are we growing? It's because people need Jesus. They need the hope of the gospel. Right? And we're going to go up here and we're going to build a facility. And we're probably going to have to go to two services right out the gate in this facility. Now, that's all exciting, but some of you might not see each other anymore. Get somebody's phone number. Call them on the phone. The point is this, is that we are not determined. We, our, our response, how we, we can't be held in bondage to other people's responses. Romans 12, 21 says, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, I have freedom to do good because God. It's done good. I have the freedom to do good. Because God has done good in me. I'm free. I carried unforgiveness for so many years. 
But when I postured my heart to forgive, it brought a freedom. It brought a deliverance. To where 40-something years later, I can do good for you. I can do good for our community because I'm free. I can do good for my family because I'm free. How do you deal with conflict? Forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. You can forgive and not reconcile, but you cannot reconcile without forgiveness. In other words, if restoration is going to take place, it takes forgiveness. But if it doesn't, you have to still walk in forgiveness. You cannot forgive and not reconcile, but you cannot reconcile without forgiveness. So the question today becomes, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to have the honest conversation with when it's time? Where do you need to dig your spiritual roots into? What word do you, what anchor do you need to get in God's word? And when you do those things, you set yourself free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Yes, he's done everything he's going to do to set you free. Now, when you start to walk in what he's done for your life, all of a sudden it sets you free. You set yourself free. When you let it go, when you forgive and you let go and you let the, let the walls come down, let the hurt come down, let the pain come down, let it all come down. Some of you are mad at God. God's never been your problem. He's always been your answer. So today, maybe there's some things you just need to get off your chest. Maybe there's some things you need to come to him today and say, Father, I just release these things. Maybe you need to just let those things go. And I believe when you let those things go, there'll be freedom. So who do you need to forgive? Yourself? You need to forgive yourself today? Some of you are walking in unforgiveness towards yourself. Set yourself free today. So let's pray this morning. I want to pray for you. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Maybe somebody, I just want to, this altar call is going to be a little different this morning. If you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm dealing with some of those unforgiveness things or, or those conflict things that I haven't managed well, and I need to do some, some soul searching this morning. We're just going to agree in prayer with you. We're here to carry the mat today. And God's been so good that he wants to pass out goodness today. So if you're in this place, you say, Pastor, I'm struggling or we're struggling. Nobody looking around. I just want to pray for those, and I want to know who I'm praying with. So we just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. Yeah, man. Yep. I see your hands all over the place, everywhere. So, Father, in this moment, in this move, in this time, I thank you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you heal. I thank you today, Lord, that as those that raise their hands, Lord God, to let things go, to, to, to allow themselves to be free today. Lord God, I pray today, Lord God, that you would give them the courage and the, and the, and the, and the not kind of quick kind of faith and the secure faith and the anchor of your word today. Lord God, we praise you and thank you, Lord, that you put that in their hearts. God, I pray today for, for just forgiveness being, being just, just being breathed over this room today. Lord, let your Holy Spirit of forgiveness just breathe over this room today. Lord God, even those that are watching online that need to experience forgiveness, Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that there would be a forgiveness that would take place right now. That, Lord God, those people that are trapped in their hearts, there's people that are trapped in your hearts, let them go. Set yourself free. 
Bible says in Proverbs, don't be like a dog returning to its vomit. Don't keep going back to the same old, same old. Don't keep rehearsing it. Don't keep going back to it. Don't keep dealing with the wound. Listen, rip the Band-Aid off. Let the Lord heal you. Forgive and be free today. We declare that over each person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap today for his word. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.